0: to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osborne, a biblical church centered on Christ. Let us pray. Dear everlasting Father, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the ancients of days, the immortal, the invincible, the omnipotent and omnipresent God. We adore you, O God, we worship you. We give you all the glory and all the praise because, God, you are worthy. We thank you, Heavenly Father, so much for this day as the beauty, O God, of your handiwork is being demonstrated. We thank you, God, for the sun. We thank you for the brightness. We thank you, God, for sustaining us by your grace. We thank you, God, for bringing us here this evening. Oh God, we make our hearts available for you so that what you have for us this evening, Father, you will just write it on the tablets of our hearts. God, that when we leave this place at the end of the day, we will find several reasons to glorify your holy name. Holy Spirit, we pray and surrender unto you. Lord, speak to us through your word. Speak to us through this vessel. Heavenly Father, we want to pray and confess our limitations weaknesses and sins unto you. O oh God, our oh Father, in our sinful nature, of sin, sometimes we commit sin without knowing you. We want to confess and ask you, O oh God, that may you forgive us and cleanse us from every impurity. We know that God's sin is a hindrance, it acts as a hindrance with the flow of communication between you and us. So Father, take away any obstacle of sin amongst us this evening, so that the police will be able to move and manifest at us as the word of God is being brought here. We pray for your peace, we pray for a fellowship spirit amongst us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Good evening, everybody. Um, a few days ago, um, Brother Daniel texted me. I was at work and he asked, Raphael, I'll be out of town. I would you to preach. And uh, just text it back to him and say, "Yeah, sure I' would love to see it for you." So um, this evening, as you all know, I'll be preaching from the book of First Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, First Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning, beginning from verse 1 to 11. If you have a Bible, please turn with me to the Book of uh, Thessalonians, First Thessalonians, Chapter Five, beginning from uh, verse one to verse eleven. Okay. So I'm going to read the first eleven verses of First Thessalonians. So I read. About the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. When they say peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them like labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in the dark for this day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. So then, let us not sleep like the rest, but let us stay awake and be self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled and put on the armor of faith and love and the helmet of the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with Him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you are already doing. Praise the Lord! I know today is Pan Sunday, and uh, if you, uh, many many messages today will center around the Pan Sunday, but I I, will, I chose to that divert a little bit, do get a little bit from it, but the focus of the message actually connects to that Sunday. And our topic this evening is, be ready for Christ's return. Be ready for Christ's return. We are living in times where the world is fighting so hard to dissuade us from that truth of, about Christ's return. The world is fighting so hard, you hear some people saying that, this Jesus that you have been waiting for. I was born and I got the same message. You are living and I got the same message that Christ is coming. Christ is coming. Where is the Christ? And they will do so many things to try to dissuade us from that. Unfortunately, there are so many people that when this lie, this wrongful doctrine is being talked to them, They will give in their faith, they backslide, and they no longer live as Christians again. We are going to see that in the church of Thessalonica, there was a problem in that church. And the main problem, which I'm going to put my finger on this evening, is about the wrongful teaching about the return of Jesus Christ. About the return of Jesus Christ. There are some thoughts of belief out there, school of thought out there, They believe that Christ already returned, that he came, and and that's it. And some say they they hold that Christ has not come back. But there are just a whole lot of different doctrines and wrongful teachings that does not even correlate with what the scripture teaches us. As children of God, the purpose of this teaching this evening is for us to hold on to God's word which is the truth. Let us hold on to God's word. Because it is even Christ who even promised us that there will be false teachers, false prophets. Some will even come in his name and will say things that does not even tie with his word. So for us believers, this is our watchword, the word of God. Anytime we deviate from this book, Christ said we should meditate on it day and night. If we don't meditate on this book day and night and hold on to the teachings and doctrines of this book, it is very easy, given the time that we live in today, to be dissuaded and deceived from the truth. So we're going to see in this lesson or this teaching this evening similar things that happened in the church of Thessalonica. Now, let me quickly give a, a quick rundown of the background of this church. The scripture tells us that Paul is the author of both. Uh, the letters to the churches at Thessalonica, both the first letter and the second, the second letter. Now this city of Thessalonica was filled with the pagan worshippers of idols and full of the pungent of Greek and Roman gods. So there was a lot of idol worshipping, idol practices, evil practices in this, in this city of Thessalonica. The city was also known for its emperor worship. So they were worshipping the emperor. So the, the emperor today was like an idol that they were worshipping. Now, there in this city, Paul found the local Jewish synagogue. And there he went and joined them. And then started to teach them about the word of God. Paul explained and demonstrated that the promised Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. Paul also explained the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ to this church. Now, if we look at Acts, Acts 17, 3 actually tells us that Paul, after having taught Christians about uh, the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, Paul boldly professed to them, he says that, that this Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah. He boldly told them, proclaimed to them, told them that this, 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 this Jesus that I'm talking about is the Messiah. Now, as we see on, as the Babylon story tells us, some of the Jews were persuaded, along with some of the devout Greeks who were worshippers at the synagogue, and some women also. They believed in what in the teachings of Paul. They joined Paul and Silas, and then this is how the church at Thessalonica was born. Now. There was a problem here. Those unbelieving Jews, they became jealous. They were jealous at Paul. So they decided that to go and stir up crowd against Paul and the new teachings that Paul was teaching and was gaining grounds of followers following him. Now, during this time, they were worshipping in one young man, a convent house called named Jason. And so the Jewish leaders now, those who did not believe in Paul, they went down to this young man himself. They arrested all these believers who were believing in Jesus Christ. And they took them now to the Jewish castle and forced them now to pay fines for the practice of new doctrine that they were having in his house. Now, during the night, the Christians in Thessalonica now, the believing Christians now, they took Paul and Salah during the night and then they, they sent them to move on to be where they continued with the doctrine of Jesus Christ. And then now, when Paul has left, now this little church at Thessalonica was growing, they were doing very well until they started having problems. They started having problems. There was a problem of, of leadership, there was a problem of the wrongful doctrine which I'm going to preach on, which I'm preaching on tonight. So there was a problem now. Then as we pick up now from our lesson now this evening, We see that. So Timothy reported to Paul that the church was suffering affliction, even though they were holding fast to the faith. This church actually was a believing church. They wore they held so strong to the faith. They believed in the teachings of Paul and they believed in the teachings of Jesus Christ. About the the Jesus Christ being their Lord and Savior. They believed in that so much. But they were still going through persecution. There is a lesson I want us to learn here. As believers, each time you stand on the truth, each time you hold on to the truth, and you live the truth and profess the truth, you must face persecution. Persecution will come. Persecution will come either from your close ones. It will come maybe from where you are walking. It will come maybe from your, from your neighbor. Just know that somewhere persecution will come. Even in our churches, Christians don't persecute Christians. It happened, and it is happening. But the good cool thing about this is that this church at Thessalonica, even though they were having persecution, even though they were going through all these difficulties, they still held on to the faith. Christians, we ought to hold on to our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ regardless of what our environment may dictate unto us. We need to hold on to the faith about the God, the Jesus that would believe it. Hold on to that Look only unto Him. Let us not move our eyes and focus unto Him. Even though we, it is likely that we will go through persecutions. So, Timothy sent this message to Paul about the state of the church. They were doing well but they were also going through serious persecutions. Now, there was some doctrinal misunderstanding that was going on in this church. You see, that's important for as Christians. We need to know the, the Word of God. Christ tells us to meditate on it day and night. Anytime we lose connection with the Word of God, it is just easy to fall on anything. Because I'm telling you, the devil is so skilled that those, those so-called false prophets, they are so eloquent in their talking. They make things to look, look so real in their presentation. They may even take a passage out of the scripture and then tune it and add certain things inside and present the same scripture to you. If you are not having the spirit of discernment and the spirit of wisdom to detect that what they are saying is lie, you believe to them. You believe you fall to what they are telling you. So that is the importance of knowing the scripture. Make it on it day and night and knowing the scripture and holding onto it. So this is actually what happened in the church at Thessalonica as uh, Timothy presented it unto Paul. So there was there were two problems here, two misunderstandings about the second coming of Jesus Christ and there was also the problem of, of respectful leadership that was affecting the church discipline. You know, uh, I think in our churches today, even though this, this passage was talking about the church at Thessalonica, I want to think that it is still affecting us today. We still have some of these problems and even more in our churches today. But our interest this evening, I want us to see how Paul had wrote the letter back to Timothy, which actually makes the, the this first letter of Thessalonica on how to handle the situation. In Paul's first letter, there were some problems happening in the church which I just said. So Paul wrote this letter to address some, some of these questions. Two false attitudes towards the second advent tend to be found among Christians. There are two things about Christ's coming that actually is facing, was facing Christians and that actually is facing us today. The first one is this, a, rest, a restless, speculative preoccupation with signs and dates. People have spoken. I remember very well. There was this famous guy. They said he, he prophesied and said by the year two thousand, Christ will be coming back. And I'm sure you almost have heard people say things like that. Some another one that was still ringing in me was saying, I think two thousand and twelve. And this guy was very confident. He said Jesus is coming. We should be ready. And I heard of the story how one guy. He believed that so much so that he went now, emptied his account, and just was just living in, like he was living in his last days. We are in 2023 today. Right? That is not how it is true, Christ will come, but Christ has not told us that in the way that during the time that me and you will know, we will not know. Nobody will know. Christ himself, as a matter of fact, even said it is only God the Father who knows when He is coming back. So therefore, why should we make ourselves vulnerable to know the date and the time and the season when he will be coming back? It is true. He gave us signs, and the signs are there. We are seeing today: rumors of wars, family breaking, and all the other we are seeing signs. Yes, those are just bird signs. He's coming; he will come, but only God the Father knows. Why I say this? I say this for us to be alert. Be prepared. The fact that none of us know should give us that spiritual alertness, spiritual preparedness. Be ready at any time. He can come a few seconds after this, he may come after this service, he may come just when you get your car. But none of us know what we are trying to emphasize here or to push here is that we, as Christians, as believers, we should be ready at any time. Christ is coming. Nobody knows. The scripture did not tell us that it will be coming at a particular time. What we know the scripture, as it reveals to us from Jesus' own words himself, is that only God, the Father, himself knows. So that tells us that we should be prepared, we should be ready. So a lot of people, they are being caught up in this uh, uh, speculation about the time, about the season, and, uh, and all these things. Christ has not promised us that. And this is was, what Paul was bringing out to the church here when he wrote this letter to the church. And then the second aspect also about his coming that people are so caught up in is abusing assumption in worldly affairs to the exclusion of hope. There are so many. This one place, a lot. It plays heavy, even in the minds of people. People are so caught up. They are so attached. They are so glued to the things of the world. Such that they don't have time for the things of the Lord. People give and devote a lot of time. They devote a lot of power, a lot of money, a lot of resources to the things of the world. I want to say something. I'm not, to those of you who are UK fans, okay, I'm not stepping on your toes, okay. But I want to say something when I was coming, when I was driving and it just dropped into my mind. I read a lovely, wonderful brother of mine in the Lord. He was here in his church, no longer. He said something about he changing his mind from the big blue nation to something else. And you know what, something that when I was coming, coming to church, that it just impressed in my mind? People invest. I know people who are so passionate about our team here, the, bowling, the basketball team, Wildcat. I know, I know that whenever there was a game going on on the day that, 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 that conflicts with the church service, people prefer to go sit and watch the games instead of coming to church. I know how people will they would go to the field, they will run arena there, and they would stay there hours before the game even starts, and then the things of the Lord, they don't care about the church, but you know what God has taught us this time, just at the start, the UK was knocked out, and, I, and I, when I see this brother, it, it's not wrong to support the team, that's what I'm trying to say, but I'm trying to say that. I'm trying to substantiate on this point that Paul was bringing, that by, by that abusing absorption in worldly affairs to the exclusion of hope. People, we get so attached and put our energy and pump our time to the things of the world that it becomes an idolatry, take the place of Christ. We keep relegating Christ the cross behind of us and the things that give us, temporal pleasures. That's what we, we put in front and we push and we support. That is what was happening and that is what is happening today. Believers, the Bible says that seek ye God's kingdom first and what? And His righteousness. That means we need to make God our preference, the top of the scale of our preferences. Anything that we want to do, first of all, portion number one on that list, Jesus Christ first. God first, before any other thing can fall in place. That's a situation that was happening. And because of this, people become lukewarm. They become so cold to things of God. Let me give you an example. If you tell them lying. if you care so much about your relationship with the Lord, do this. I, I bet nobody should do this. But just imagine that you do this. Any don't come to church, just just say, okay, you don't come to church one day. That day you don't read your Bible. That day you don't pray. If you are a committed child of God who is perfect, who reads and studies, meditate, and you pray every day, when you do it once, then the next day you will find yourself and a dry. Imagine that you keep on putting in front the things, the things of the world, you put them in front of the cross. And you say, No, let me, first of all, let me do this and do this and do this. And by the end of the day, maybe I will pray or read the Bible, come to church. You realize that at the end of the day, you are exhausted, giving up all the strength, and you you now want out. You realize that you don't even pray as you used to pray. If you do that one thing, that's how you now become cold. We become cold, and the, the, the love of God is being watered down because we put the cross behind, and we put the things of the world, put all the energy, And that's why Paul says that a busy absorption in the world affairs to the exclusion of hope. It includes when we put things of the world ahead of us, we no longer have hope in the Lord. We don't have, have trust in Him. Because, you know, the things of the world is right facing us, and that's where we are getting our temporal temporal uh, pleasure and happiness and satisfaction from Him. And it would take away our preparedness, and the Lord might take us on surprise. We don't want to be in that position, do we? So, Paul was right to address this situation. So, Paul wrote to correct. To correct some of these misunderstandings, and in the process, he showed us that Christ's return gives us true hope. He tackled it as follows. There are four uh, things measured or areas that Paul actually he addressed when he was writing his letter. The first one is the first three verses uh, is the unknown time, then from verse 4 to 5, encouragement and assurance, verse 6 to 8. Exhortation to be watchful, and also uh, from verse nine to eleven, added encouragement. I want us to go into this verse now and look at it. Verse uh, the way I wrote it down. So, the first thing Paul made to these people to understand, to the church at Thessalonica, to understand, even making it for us also to understand about this his letter, is this from verse one to three of uh, of, uh, of of this first Thessalonians. Paul talked about the unknown time. About the times and the season, brothers and sisters, you do not need anything to be written to you. Now this is the point, like I said earlier, if we know the truth, if you know that the scripture says that Christ is coming and the time that is coming nobody knows, only God himself knows, why would you bother about knowing the time? So Paul says that it is not for me and you to be worried about the time because scripture already carries when Jesus spoke, he said that only God the Father knows. So knowing about the time of Jesus Christ coming is not any big issue, it's not big deal for believers. Because scripture only tells us, yes, he is coming. Why should we bother about the exact time that he's coming? Why should a church be worried about this to know the exact time, the exact date, and the exact season? No. All those thoughts they come from the pit of hell because when you know the truth, when we know the truth and hold on to the truth, yes, those wings will come will not be moved, will not be shaken, because Christ has told us. So Paul told them, he said, this, this is not for you. You know the truth already. It is not for you. And he goes on in verse 2. He says that, for you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. They know this thing. They know this thing that God has already told them. So it will come because now, because the thief comes in a time that none of us know. That is why when you leave... Is that somebody who left the house open when they come to church now? No, because when you leave behind, you don't know what is happening. That's why you prepare. You are always proactive, making sure that when you get out of the house, you lock your door because a thief can come at any time. You will not know. They don't announce. The that is why you, you come and you lock your door, and you make sure that you keep your belongings secure. So to, as children of God, we should get ourselves ready be prepared be ready at any time let nobody deceive us that this is the time that christ will come but he is coming have that in your mind keep that at the back of your mind that he is coming but let no other person try to make your faith shake from the lord to know that this is, what is coming no christ has not told us that but one thing is that he is coming so it was not supposed to be a concern for the children of god the, the christian and the church at America to worry about this wrong doctrines and teachings that was going on because Paul had only taught them the truth. Then in verse 3, he says this, Paul says in verse 3, When they say peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them, like labor pains on the pregnant woman, and they will not escape. So when Paul told, when they say they will, so Paul was referring to, yeah, to those people who were given the wrong doctrines, referring to unbelievers, referring to those who don't know the Lord referring to those who are trying to to, to to stir up division and to cause this church to bring all this wrongful teaching those are the people that Paul was addressing you know because these people people who don't know the Lord they don't care about anything everything they care about is just their pleasure they care about their enjoyment they don't have time to, get time to pray and come to church and, and do things with the Lord they don't have that time and that's why Paul was making them to understand he said, These people, when they say peace and security, then so, so they are believing here on human's own protection, on human's own ability. So they have, they, just like I said, there are so many people who have actually made that presumption about Christ coming. Some said it was 2000, some said 2002, some said 2012. But nothing has happened. We still have those people today who are very, very blunt about their positions, about powerful prophets as they say who can determine when Christ is coming. So Paul was cautioning us to because the Christians here in Justin like Joseph is doing today. He said that this is not for us. He said, brothers and sisters, this is not for us. This is not for us. And he was saying that when they say these people don't believe in the law, he said when they say peace and security, then sudden destruction will come. That means that we don't we don't have to listen to them because they are they don't, they don't detect when Christ is coming. They don't detect when Christ is coming but so we should not listen to what they say because what the information that they feed us with is not going to help us. Now that's not Christ. Said. When they say peace and security, then destruction. So we don't need to listen to them. Our hope is in the Lord. So that is the first thing Paul brought to them about the unknown, unknown time. It should not be an issue for believers to worry about Christ's coming. You already know that Jesus has said God is coming. So why do we get worried? Why do we listen to this noise? Of the storm of destruction out there and make us, you know, to shake a little bit about our faith in the Lord about his coming. We don't have to. So Paul was telling them, You don't have to be worried. Then we go now from verse 4 to 5. Paul actually brings an encouragement and assurance here to them. He said, But you, brothers and sisters, are not in the dark for this day to surprise you like a thing. We, as a matter of fact, I like this passage. As a matter of fact, there is none of no believer should worry about death. No, because you know for sure that when Christ comes, even no matter when he comes, even if it's coming when you're driving, no matter where he meets you, you know for sure that few seconds when those eyes are closed, you know where you are getting up. That's what Paul is saying. This is not for us. We should not be worried. We should not allow the devil to disturb us, to to destroy us, those wrongful teachings. You should have enough confidence whereby if something should happen to you, or if Christ should come and meet you anywhere at any unannounced given time, my God, it should not be a problem. You should be looking for that moment. That is why I was giving this this assurance and encouragement to the church, which we are also giving to ourselves today. It is true we are living in times where it's it's, it's, it's really frightening when you open your eyes to every look at the world out there. It is frightening, but it should not in any way disturb us Christians. We should walk with big heads, high up and focus on the cross, only on the cross. And, and with the assurance that God, as I leave my house today, if it meets me, if you meet me anywhere, Lord, your name will be glorified. I'll be with you the next second. That is the kind of attitude that Paul was actually building and trying to inculcate in the life of these believers. And I'm trying to do the same to us this evening, brothers and sisters. Listen, this God that we serve Him is a big and mighty and mighty God. This God that we serve he is the all-powerful, the ultimate. There is no like Him. Let us put our trust in Him and live every day with that trust focus only on Him. And close our eyes, or better still, put some spiritual filters in our ears and our eyes as we walk around, so that we do not fall into the devil's trap. Praise the Lord. Paul goes on, he says in verse 5. In verse 5, he says we are children of the day. So we do not belong to the night or the darkness. You know there is often day and light is, is always referring to, 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 to born again Christians. People who are in the law we are, we are referred to the day or light. And darkness and night is often referred to evil; those who are lost, unbelievers. And Paul is trying to say, when he mentioned day and night here, he's trying to give the impression that listen, we are the light, we are children and we are God's children, we are the redeemed,
1: we are those who are saved,
0: we are those that Christ, that we, our names are written in God's book of life. So we are not people who live in the dark. So we should live as such. People who live with confidence. We will live with trust in the Lord. We will live the life that is focused only on Jesus Christ. We should not at any point in time doubt our faith. We should not allow the devil. We should strive not to make of vulnerabilities where the devil can capitalize on that. Focus on the Lord. Put our trust and focus only on the Lord. Because Christ is coming. Christ is coming, and the good thing about it all is that he's going to come when none of us knows. So that should tell us that we should live as children of the light. Now when we go to verse 6 to 8 here, Paul actually is giving a word of exhortation to to be watchful. He wants us to be watchful. And in verse 6 he says that, So then, let us not sleep like the rest, but let us stay awake and be self-controlled. Seven. For those who sleep, sleep at night and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let let us be self-controlled and put on the armor of faith and love and a helmet of the hope of salvation. It is very important to know that Paul actually brought in some ingredients of encouragement that we ought to encourage each other here. First of all, he says that, he specified again, he says that those who sleep. Now, Paul brings another very important aspect here, sleep. Sleep is, what he was trying to say, he was not referring to like sleep, sleep in itself. Paul was referring here to the people who are not awake in the Lord, those who are not alert. Those who are not looking forward to, to the Lord. These are people that they don't have time for them. They just live their own life and, and have their own program. And they live the way they want. But us who live, who are children of the Lord, we live every second for the Lord. And we live as unto, and everything that we do, we do as unto the Lord. And we live for the Lord. That's why we study the Word of God and we come to church. You are, we are not lazy as per se, our spiritual life and understanding. We, we, we invest our time and our existence onto the Lord as long as we live. But those who don't know the Lord, they sleep and they do whatever they want, they don't care. And so Paul was bringing this exhortation? as children of the light, our focus should be in the Lord. Verse 8 says that since we belong to the day Let us be self-controlled and put on the armor of faith and love. Very important. Put on the armor of faith and love. If we don't put on the armor of faith and love, then it will be easy to get yourself tainted with all those wrongful damages. Fear will come in. If we don't have faith in the Lord, they can say anything and we become afraid and try to follow and believe what they are saying. But when we have our faith and trust and love in the Lord, that solidifies us with Him. It solidifies us with Him. and That's why He was bringing His ear to these Christians as I believe he's, he's speaking to us also this evening. And then He says also, He says that and a helmet of hope of salvation. We don't need to doubt about, no Christian need to doubt, you don't need to doubt about your salvation. The moment you receive Christ in your life, and Christ comes in your life, you don't have to doubt. Hold on to that faith. It's a raw faith. Hold on to that. This is what Paul was saying. If we don't hold on to that faith, then anybody can say anything and we'll become so, so, so complacent. The world that we live in, it takes the scripture to data, the teaching of the world. It takes faith in the Lord, it takes love in the Lord and faith in the Lord to stand to that truth and to move on. And that's what Paul was bringing here. And the last thing from verse eight, from verse 9 to 11, he added more encouragement. And this is what he says in verse 9. For God did not appoint us to write, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is this same Jesus Christ that we're debating about is coming, but some were saying he has already come, and, 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 and Paul was telling them, Listen, it is only God and who knows when he's coming. So he is bringing this here to say, For well, God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. God has not appointed us, He not call us to wrath, He called us to obtain salvation through Jesus Christ. So if God actually did not appoint us to write, then therefore means that we don't have anything with the teachings of the world because our position in the law is, is what matters and what the scripture tells us about. So Paul brings this word to encourage them. He brings this word to make them to understand who they are. And he says that this is just like saying, who, who died for us so that we live together with him. Now he said that, I'm sorry, let me take it over again. Who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. This is why Jesus Christ died, and this is why I said, it is important as a child of God to live, put your hands high on him. So that anytime, whether you whether physical death camp or your are God said to me to live is Christ and, God and to die is again. I love that explanation. So that when you, you live a life where, when anything happens to you, you don't have anything to regret because you know that even if you are living, you are living for the Lord and even if you are dying, you are dying for the Lord. Live that kind of life. That is what all is calling us to live that kind of life as people who have a purpose. As people who have a journey. We are undergoing taking a journey. Live that life. We have a destination where we are going. When we don't have focus. When we don't have focus and, and pointing onto the Lord, just and look onto Him. It is easy to fall. I said it once, a friend, he said, this is a blessed memory. He said one thing, he said, anybody should have one thing that you value so much in life that you hold on to. Because if you don't have anything that you value that you hold on to so dear, so strong, you can fall onto anything. And that is true. Us Christians, if we don't value our relationship with the Lord and take it so seriously, then we can fall onto anything that is being taught out there. That is the truth. And that is the thing Paul is teaching this church. And said, so this hold on to the doctrine that you have been trained, you have been taught. Don't listen about these people who are coming, giving wrongful doctrines about the coming of Jesus Christ. For Jesus Christ is coming. The scripture says He is coming. Nobody knows. Don't listen to what they are telling you. He is coming. So therefore, get ready. Be prepared. Because when He comes, nobody knows when He will be coming. But He is coming. He might meet you at anywhere. He might meet you at any time. He might come when you are sleeping. He might come when you are awake. It might come when you are are at work. It might come at any time. But just make sure that at every second in time, wherever you are, as long as you are still breathing, just make sure and get ready. Just be ready. Because Christ is coming back. And lastly, verse 11, he says, Paul says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, as you are already doing." This is very important for our church today. We need to encourage each other and build each other up. Not to look at each other and criticize and look at their mistakes and look about their weaknesses and look about their limitations and look about what they did and what they did not do and look about what they're supposed to have done and have not done. This is not what the scripture tells us. The scripture says we should encourage each other all the time, encourage each other, encourage each other. And there are so many ways in this church, brother Baptist, church, that we can encourage each other. There are so many ways we need to learn to encourage each other. Brothers, listen again. Paul says this in verse 11, he said, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you are already doing. We encourage and build each other up. This is our obligation, this is the command that we ought to do. Listen, this race is for all of us here. It's not for one person. One person cannot fight it. And that is why we need each other. That is why the Church of God was created. We need to encourage each other. You know what? Coming together, you know what it means? It means a lot. There is power in this garden this evening. Seeing your face, I am encouraged. When I see you face that I see, I am encouraged. When I come and hear people talk about testimony and we share like that, I am encouraged. And that's why the psalmist says that how good and how pleasant it is when brothers come together. We need to encourage and build each other up. Please, 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 I dare say this. Don't be that one that the devil will use to pull a fellow brother or sister down in the Lord. Don't be that one that the devil will come and open your ears to gossip and you pull down a brother and sister in the Lord. Don't be that one that the devil will use to want to destroy God's church. Anybody who's tried to destroy God's church, God will destroy you. Nobody has ever tried to fight the Lord and succeed. Anybody who tried, the devil tried and he failed. So if me and you try to pull God's church down, we will fail. God will destroy us. Let us encourage each other and build each other up. That spirit of gossip has to leave God's house. That spirit of hate has to leave God's house. The spirit of division is supposed to leave God's house. The spirit of all the egos and isms that is affecting the church of God, it must leave. Because you know what the scripture tells us? We need to encourage and build each other. If you must encourage and build a fellow brother and sister, then you will not speak negative about the brother or sister. You will not hate that brother or sister. You not look at them and give all kinds of criticism and how they were supposed to to be. You not sit and criticize and hate and talk about the pastors and, and talk evil evil about the pastors. Yes, everybody do have big weaknesses as human being. But do you know what Paul is telling us? That when you see your pastor has some weaknesses, go and build him up, encourage him, and build him up. Don't crucify him. Don't judge him and sentence him. Encourage him and build it up. If you see a fellow sister or brother in the church, the choir master, the, son, the school teacher, the whosoever, the, anybody here, you see them struggling, go build them up, and encourage and build them up. Don't sentence them to death. Don't criticize them and say, oh, but no, that's not what the scripture is telling us here. And this is the same vulnerability that was created in the the Thessalonians, the Thessalonian church that Paul was writing this letter to address. We are not to in this problem about this church, brothers and sisters. We know what the hope is, we know what the assignment is to build and encourage and build each other up. Because this is what Christ wants for us to do as a church. That's why Paul was telling them in that church of Thessalonica at the end, he said, Listen, therefore, I've told you everything about you. I've told you about everything that I was I was, I was, I was trying to tell you about, But this is what you have to do if you must fight the evil one. They say when we stand strong, there is a say that divided we stand, no united we stand, divided we do what? We fall. That's the same analogy that I'm using here that all say we need to build each, encourage and build each other up. The only way we can fight the devil and defeat him is when we are united as a church. You know we can fight the devil and crush him is when we stand strong and say, when I hear something about my brother or sister, I will say, No, I will not give in to that gossip. That is my brother in the Lord. that is my sister in the Lord. I will not partake in that gossip. I will not partake in that negative and all whatnot. But, but you know what I'm going to do is that as a child of God, because that is my brother or sister in the Lord, who also have all the same spirit that is in me, I will not talk behind his or her, but I will go and meet him and say, Brother and sister, I want to help you. That is what we are called to do, and that is why the Church of God needs to stand and rise and push forward for the Lord. You know, we've given the devil a lot. We've given the devil a lot because we read at the Scripture when it comes to the things that affects us directly. We do what we try to shield that part. No, this is not talking to me. And then you look only where he says God loves me so much dwell on that but you forget about what the scriptures says, how to treat the fellow brothers in the lord <laughs> that's my motivation us this evening. this is the word that the lord impressed my heart to share with us this evening hope that if there is one thing that you will live within this night or live within this in this from this this service tonight if you don't live with the notion that christ is coming if you get yourself alert and prepared because he can meet you at any time I want you to live with this that you have the responsibility, it is your responsibility to encourage and mold a fellow brother and sisters in this church. Amen. Amen. The decision is yours. We prefer to follow God's word and live for Him and wait for His coming. We prefer to help and crack in and widen the cracks of our church and, and talk Ill, Ill, evil against each other. You know, Paul, I think he was I think Paul's. Scripture says somewhere that any house that is divided shall not stand. Any house that is divided shall not stand. I want us to be on our feet, brother. Let us pray. Just stand with me and let us pray, please. I want every head bowed, eyes closed. And I just want to ask this question. I believe strongly the word of God never goes out. Is shepherd and two-way It never goes out and comes back going? Is there any way in your life that... You feel that this message is even has touched you and you just you want your fellow brothers and sisters to pray with you. Please just indicate and come and pray for you. We'll pray together. Anybody who wants um, an experience, transformation, um, make peace with God. Anybody who wants to invite Christ into their lives, if they have not done it, so. I think it's an opportunity. Does anybody? Let us pray. Father, we want to thank you so much for this evening. Believe that Holy Spirit, you have spoken to us. We admit our weaknesses and our limitations. We also believe that God, nothing happens by not takes you by coincidence, and nothing happens by surprise. Everything by you, this evening has been planned. And this word has been planned by you. And you know why, God, that you gave us this word, this evening. We ask you that, oh God, may you help us, oh God, to be strong. Help us to be that. That force that we will, we will not hesitate to build our brothers and sisters and to encourage them in you. We know your word says that we should not forsake the assembly of the righteous and we should encourage each other as we see that they are approaching. Help us to be that 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 force of encouragement, Lord. Just pray you bless each and every one of us this evening and you take us back home to our individual houses becoming the Our weekly activities that, Lord, bless us in everything that we do and protect us from God and and sustain your name through us. Jesus, mighty name, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen.